Good morning. It's good to see you, church. What a beautiful day uh, to be here in Florida in the Christmas season. Thank you to all of the folks that got us decorated for Christmas. It looks good around here, doesn't it? And I know the orange buckets match the Christmas decor perfectly. Uh, and so I'm sorry about that to all of you, Lucy and Dave and Darlene and everybody that got involved. Uh, the, the buckets will be gone next week, okay? So, uh, but it's really good to be back, to be with you. I thank you for uh, uh, praying for us and supporting us while we were uh, on our trip. We were supposed to be in Israel, most of you know that, over the last couple of weeks. And of course, uh, that trip got canceled and uh, because of all the turmoil in the Middle East. And so we uh, shifted gears and took some time off. And I'm thankful for that. I'm glad to be back. And uh, certainly always love being back here. Just uh, miss you when we're gone and thankful for what God's doing here and excited uh, that we get to share and talk about today some of the things that God has done. Look forward to what God is going to do in the next uh, 12 months here at our church. I'd like to invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 145. We're going to take a break on the Revelation series uh, for the month of December. And we will quickly be getting back to that on the first Sunday of January. We'll be back in chapter 10 uh, there. But I don't know. I thought that preaching about the beast and the dragon on Christmas Eve was probably going to be a little rough, okay? And, uh, and so, I, I, you know, Merry Christmas to everybody uh, as we take that little break. But uh, we'll be talking about some Christmas-related themes over the next few weeks. And then, of course, be right back in Revelation uh, next week. Before we get into the message today, I want to just, just, just kind of tell you how this day is going to lay out. It's a little different. Uh, this, is our, uh, this is the first Sunday of December. This is our annual business meeting Sunday. Uh, and, and I don't call it that. I don't like that word, uh, but it is what it is. We call it Celebration Sunday because we take a moment to look back and review everything that God did through the ministries, through the giving, and through through our efforts here, and then of course we're going to take a minute to look forward. At the end of the service, we'll be entering into business and just approving our budget. We also have bylaws that we've we've uh, been talking about. We'll approve those as well. But but before that, uh, we're going to be taking our Christmas offering today. Okay, I'm super excited. I've heard some great things from many of you. I had somebody write me and say they were praying for a specific amount. And they had invested some money in the stock market, and that uh, reaped the dividends they had been praying for. And they pulled that out, and they're going to give it today. I'm so thankful for that. It's such a blessing to see that. That offering is going to cover uh, the air-conditioned replacements and upkeep that just all swarmed on us at one time. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a minute. But I did want you to, I wanted to explain this card on your seat, okay? This card is an opportunity for you to, to today we're, we're giving cash. Um, or online, and, uh, and, and also maybe you couldn't get the cash, maybe you're still working on it, praying about it, saving for it. This is a commitment card for the month of December, meaning I may not have, let's say, $1,000 today, but, I want, but I'm going to give $1,000 in the month of December, and so you can just write that amount on this and drop that as your offering at the end of the service when I get to that part. Of course, many of us just prepare with the cash offering. I did get asked this question, and so I'll go ahead and cover this one as well. If you give online, uh, how many of you still have a checkbook? Is there anybody here that still has a checkbook? Wow, wow, wow. I got to be honest with you. I don't have one. I haven't even seen one. And, and I cannot remember the last time I like 
physically saw a checkbook. I do see checks occasionally sitting on the uh, secretary's desk here at, at the church, but, but I don't, I mean, I don't have one. I don't even own one, and I haven't reordered checks or anything in, in, in such a long time. I give online. Most, many of you do. Uh, maybe you came today and you said, I, I'm going to give today, but I'm going to give online. Uh, if you will do that anytime during the service or during the offering, the way our system works is it will automatically update the amount. And I tested it this morning. Uh, I gave a whopping $10 to the offering today, this morning, and, uh, but I went immediately and checked and it registered right away. So if you give during the service, that number will get calculated into the Christmas offering gift. And uh, I'll talk about that more at the end because there's so many exciting things I want to share with you about that. And, and for those of you that are guests, we don't, we, we don't like talk about money every Sunday. It's not something we do in perpetuity. But every once in a while, God puts in our heart and there's a need. And so that's what we're doing this year. And I'm super thankful for the participation that we're going to, to have here in just a few moments. So if you'll prepare yourself for that. Again, if you're giving cash, uh, this would be different, right? So don't give cash, then write that amount on this card because that would look like you gave $2,000 instead of $1,000. But if you have a cash gift and a commitment, that's great. If you don't have cash but you're making a commitment, just fill out this card. Does that make sense? Should be, should be pretty simple, okay? I want to read Psalm 145, first 13 verses, if you'll follow along with me. The Bible says this, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness they shall utter the memory of your great goodness and sing, shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Amen. This is God's word. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, a five-star review. Now, we in this culture have become very accustomed to checking reviews. Uh, just uh, about three weeks ago, I took my wife on a fishing trip, and on this particular occasion, we decided to charter a trip, which simply means we pay somebody else to take us fishing, and it's actually quite a, quite a nice experience if you're used to being the one that captains the boat and gets all the gear ready and all that, just to go with somebody else who does all that, takes you to the spots, and gets you going. It's really kind of nice. And so I went out with Anchor and Bell Charter Services just a few weeks ago. And, and I got to tell you, in about four hours before the weather turned bad, both Angie and I caught somewhere between 70 and 80 fish. I mean, it was just nonstop. And those are the best days, okay? There's a difference between fishing and catching. How many of y'all know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So when you pay somebody to go and, and, and for their services and, and you, you end up scoring like that, it, it's just unbelievable. That was, that was just kind of part of the deal. Uh, the best part of the deal was that both me and Angie caught personal records on the same trip within about 30 minutes of each other. Uh, I should have put it on the screen, but I felt like it would have been a little bit bragging, but I caught a 48-inch redfish, okay? Now, that is um, pretty long and pretty large, okay? I'm five foot seven, and so the fish, like, comes up to, like, here on me. It was a monster fish. We turned around, and Angie uh, caught a 40, I think it was 41-inch, am I right about that? 41-inch redfish about 30 minutes later, and I am telling you guys, it was an experience. The guy was incredibly knowledgeable, put us right on fish, knew right where to go, knew right what to do, and it was just one of those trips. You better bet when that trip was over, I went right into Google and right into Facebook, and I gave the guy a five-star review. Now, interestingly enough, I had checked reviews before I booked him on an app called Fishing Booker, and guess what? He had five-star reviews from about 40 Five different customers. So a five-star review, what, drew me to him, and then through my experience, I gave him also a five-star review. Now, now, guys, we do this all the time. I doubt that there's anybody who tries a new restaurant without checking Yelp or Google or something. I mean, if, you, if you're out of town and you're on vacation and you're looking for a restaurant and you see 50 reviews and a 1.5 star review, you're not going to the restaurant, okay? But if you see one like I had in Daytona last week and it was 4.7 stars and there's 13,000 reviews, you know this is probably a really good restaurant to eat at. And we're used to this. We're used to going to stores. We're used to buying products based on reviews. Even if you're shopping for Christmas right now, maybe looking for a, a, a particular uh, whatever you're buying for your spouse or for your kids, and, and, and you're looking and say, oh, that's a good product, and that's a better product, and this one has this many reviews, and it's got a higher rating. This one's got lower reviews, but it's got a, and a lower rating. I'm going to choose this one over that one based on reviews. We're all very accustomed to reviews. If you do business, if you are in service, you want high reviews for your, for your work. We, we love to see a five-star review from our church uh, come in on Facebook or Google. It's just a good thing, and we all understand that. This morning, I want to give God a five-star review. I want to tell you that across the board, in every category, in every area of my life through his works and through his own nature, God gets a five-star review from this preacher this morning. And, and I hope that you would too. I mean, would we not say this morning that when it comes to the faithfulness of God, we give him five stars on being faithful? We could look and say when it comes to answering our prayers, doesn't God get a five-star review from his children on how many prayers he's answered? Or, or, or the fact that maybe you had a season of difficulty this year and God encouraged you and comforted you and brought you through that. And you would say, yeah, in that moment, God gets a five-star review. And that's basically what the Psalms are. The Psalms are David or Moses or Solomon or Asaph or whoever the author is bragging on God. Sometimes the Psalms are about God's work. Sometimes they're about God's nature. But virtually every Psalm 
in some way extols who God is through the psalm. And that's exactly what you see in Psalm 145. In Psalm 145, coming to the end of what we call the Psalter, the 150 Psalms, we have this, this section, Psalm 145 through 150, is almost like a crescendo. It's almost like the end of a fireworks display, and there's these really big and powerful statements about God. And, and the word, praise you the Lord, Psalm 150, one of my favorites, pray, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And there's this call to praise. It's a call to extol. It's a call to revere, to, 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 to put God on his, if you will, proper pedestal. And I want to say this to you this morning. When it comes to the Christian life, God's works are to be celebrated and they are to be shared with future generations. And you see that you see this all throughout the Bible. You see something happens and God will tell it, there'll be a song of praise like the Exodus. And the song of praise comes right after the children of Israel cross the Red Sea. And right after that, God tells them, I want, you, I want you to remember this. I want you to share this. When they cross the Jordan River, what did they do? They set up a memorial stone, right? They praised God for what he had done. And they set up the memorial to be something that they all look to for future generations when they ask, what do we tell? We tell this is what God did. And so that's what God is saying to us today. He's saying, look, uh, you, uh, I am worthy of your praise. And who I am and what I have done and what I will do should be shared with future generations. So we look back at who God is and we look forward to what God will do. And all along, we are transferring this knowledge to our children, to our grandchildren, and to future generations. And that's what this psalm is all about. And so today, I want to share with you a really simple message, okay? I want to share with you two, two thoughts today, and, and, and they're this. Number one, we've all experienced God. There is not a person in this room who has not in some way experienced God. Certainly through our salvation, but, but in many other ways. And I think that's what David is sharing. It's a very personal thing. I mean, just look at verse 1. I will extol you, watch this, my God, O King. And I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. These personal pronouns are used repeatedly throughout this psalm. You see, praise is a choice. Praise is personal. Praise is to be repetitive. Praise is appropriate. And you look through this psalm, and David is talking about his own experience. God, you have been faithful to me. You have blessed me. You have, you have been good to me. Charles Spurgeon said, the psalmist has extolled the Lord many times before. He is still doing so, and he will do in the future. I love this. Praise is for all tenses. Praise is past, praise is present, and praise is future. We can never, watch it, we can never out-praise God, if you will. A God is worthy of our praise. And in this text, there are three specific things that David praises God for. Let me run through these real quick if I could. He first of all says, God is great. Look at verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is great. He has done mighty things. Things. He has done mighty works. His greatness, his awesomeness, his power. Often the word great is used with some amazing act of God. 
And so when we say God is great, we're talking about the magnitude of God, the bigness of God, the awesomeness of God. And truly, God is the greatest subject ever to be studied, the greatest song to ever be sung, and the greatest verses in the world are written about him. He is truly great. But not only is God great, God is also good. Now, verse 8 says this, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. Watch this. The Lord is good to all. Now, folks, I want to tell you, no matter how difficult of a year this may have been for you, I doubt there's anybody here that would dare say that God has not been fundamentally good to you, right? I mean, he is good to all. Every single person in this room has experienced the goodness of God. In fact, one of my favorite passages in the New Testament says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. So meaning, and you can take that positively or negatively. Sometimes rain in the Bible is a sign of judgment. Sometimes it's a sign of prosperity. God giving rain. God giving blessing. But, but it, go, it works both ways. Every Christian in this room has experienced difficulty. Every experience, uh, Christian in this room has experienced blessing. And by the way, listen to this very carefully. Every non-Christian in this room has experienced difficulty, and every non-Christian in this room has experienced the goodness of God. The very fact is, you're breathing today. You got out of bed today. That's borrowed time and a borrowed experience. God has absolutely been good to every single person in this room, whether you know him or not. So God is great. God is good. And I love this. God is gracious. He is gracious. And these are some of the often repeated statements about God. Verse 8 again, the Lord is gracious. I love this. Full of compassion. What a great statement. Full of compassion. God is at capacity with compassion. There's no adding compassion to God. He's 100% loaded with it. Do you realize today you cannot do anything to make God love you more than God loves you right now? And you cannot do anything to make God love you less than he loves you right now. He is 100% full of compassion. And these next two phrases are some of my favorite in the Bible. Slow to anger. How many of you are glad that God is not trigger happy? God is slow. God is slow to anger. And then it says this. He is, he is, he is slow to anger and he is great in mercy. He, he is, his mercy is magnified. His mercy is awesome. And this is God's grace in our lives. God's grace in our lives is, 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 is simply this. God giving to us what we don't deserve. God's mercy in our lives is God withholding from us what we do deserve. And man, I'm glad to be living on the razor's edge of grace and mercy in my life. I am the benefactor of God giving me in my life many, many, many things that I do not deserve, which is namely everything. But I'm also the benefactor of God reserving from me what I absolutely deserve, and that is his mercy. And in, in the cross, in salvation, we've experienced all of them. And I just want to say today, we've all experienced God, haven't you? And I want to say this furthermore, not only have you individually experienced God in your life, I want to dare say today that at this church, we have absolutely experienced the goodness of God at this church. Absolutely. And I want to share with you, just over the next few minutes, some of the things that God has done in and through this church, through you, in 2023. Let me, let, me, let me share with you some things 
that God did through your generosity, through your giving. And in 2023, for example, we had an increase in financial contributions that was almost uh, uh, unmatched in our church's history. In 2022, when we come to this time of year last year, the average giving was about $23,000 per month, okay? Meaning the tithing predominantly. But at this time, through 2023, one year later, it is at $32,000. That is $9,000 of increase just on the tithing of income of this church. That's extraordinary, folks. I mean, that, that is an indication of, of absolute growth and absolute generosity. Last year, when it comes to missions giving, and at our church, we, we give tithing, but we also give people opportunity to give above and beyond that to our missions giving. Now, I know from, depending on who you are, depending on what your church background is, some churches just do a percentage of their overall receipts to missions, and I understand that. When I came to this church, for years and years and years, this church had done what was called faith promise giving, which is, which is giving to missions above and beyond your tithe. And I got to tell you, it's, it's very challenging to break away from that once you've built uh, uh, a, 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 a system of giving to missions through that. And so we've continued to do that. We did it this year. In fact, last year, we averaged about $5,000 per month. This year, that has increased to 60 $200 a month. Again, a large increase on individual give, or monthly giving to missions. I, I love this. It's my favorite thing that happened this year. Uh, in, our, in, our, in our actual bank accounts, okay, uh, when we came to this church uh, seven, eight years ago, uh, this church was in a very difficult part of town and, and, and had a very small amount of people and was honestly struggling, okay, in, in, in every sense of the word. And then when we came here, moved over here, had some difficulties in 2019 as we relocated our ministry here. And guys, we have, we have literally had financial challenges nearly every step of the way. But in 2022, on this day in 2022, this church only had $19,000 total in all of its accounts. Right now, this church has over $85,000 in its accounts after planning churches, renovating properties doing so much extra work. I mean, it is absolutely miraculous the way that God has increased and prospered this church. It's extraordinary. And giving is just one part. I, I love what God has done in giving. And giving, giving guys, is, is certainly a measurement of, of the health of a church. But, but it's not the greatest measurement of the health of a church because a church can have a lot of money, but a church can be very poor in its reach or a church can be very poor in its action, its compassion, in its service, and so on and so forth. But I'm excited about this number uh, this year in baptisms at River City Baptist Church. We had 17 people baptized on this campus. That's not counting the Mayport campus and other campuses but, or other missions endeavors that I'll talk about in a minute. 17 people. Be honest with you, I wish there was a whole lot more. And, and there's a lot of things we're going to do in 2024 to see that number go up by God's grace. But I thank the Lord that at this church, over one time every month, somebody was in that baptistry giving a testimony that through this church, through the witness of you, through the preaching of the word of God, they trusted Christ and followed him in baptism. That's a blessing. Uh, I, I think of engagement. And this is another huge area where so often churches overlook. When I say engagement, I'm talking about what has happened as far as bodies and people in our church. Listen to this. In 2023, we, we've added 46 members to our church. 284 guest profiles were created. That means at least 284 people visited this church 
filled out a connection card, and were followed up on. And some of them are still here to this day. Maybe you're here and you haven't joined yet, but that's an amazing stat. That means, that means a significant amount of guests come through the doors of this church one way or the other every single month. And this is probably my favorite statistic of all. Listen to this. 163 volunteer positions are being filled at our church. Did you hear what I said? 163. There's only about 150 active adults on this campus that worship, and yet 163 positions are being filled. Some of you are serving in multiple ways, and some of you are serving in the way that God gifted you. Either way, it's a blessing to know that, right? Where, where You ever heard this statement in a church, 10% of people do 90% of the work? It, I hate that stat. It's a terrible stat, and thankfully, it's not true at River City Baptist Church, and I thank God for that. Thank you for giving your time. Thank you for giving your service. Thank you for using your spiritual gifts. Thank you for watching children. Thank you for teaching children. Thank you for taking care of the property. And somebody asked me recently, they said, they, they, were, they, were new, they were new to the church, and they were asking the question, how do these properties look so nice? And they were shocked to find out that the property is 100% maintained and kept by volunteers. Amen. People cut the grass like Oren and, and Jeff and, and trim the shrubs and pull the weeds and, and do all this work to keep this property looking beautiful and nice. And it is a blessing, and so many others serve in so many ways. And finally, I love this, our connection groups. Uh, many of you are involved with connection groups. Last year, we didn't have connection groups. In fact, we had a few what we would call Bible study or Sunday school classes. This year, we changed our model from just a Bible study to a more connection group where there's more discussion and relationships built. Last year, this time last year, there were 41 adults in Bible study Right now, there's 101 adults in, in Bible study on a weekly basis. We had three classes, or excuse me, two classes last year, and there are seven groups meeting right now. What a blessing to know that we're connecting outside of the church and meeting and serving one another in such a great way. But this is what I'm really excited about, and that is our Great Commission efforts. Most of you know... That, that we are not only engaged in caring for one another, but we're actively engaged in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ both here and around the world. In 2023, we gave, listen to this, we gave actively $220,899 directly to world evangelism and church planning and local Great Commission efforts. Isn't that awesome? That is a large number. And I love some of the things that happened. We've been in touch with our missionaries in the Philippines, our missionaries in Haiti, our missionaries in Paraguay. And when you just add their numbers uh, up, they had over 382 people saved in their ministries. Uh, in Haiti, they established seven brand new churches this year in the midst of some of the biggest chaos they've ever experienced in their life. Isn't that encouraging? Your giving to missions has seen seven churches planted in Haiti. We planted two churches this year. In Mayport, on August 28, 2022, the church in Mayport had eight in attendance on that Sunday. August 25th, 2022, eight. This year, uh, they have seen dozens of people visit. Uh, they're averaging about 45 in attendance every week. They just baptized again last Sunday, a church that literally would have closed its doors in just a few months, literally would have, would, have been, would have been dissolved financially 
Are y'all even listening to me today? I'm talking about a church that literally would have had to give up its property just to keep its taxes being paid over just one year ago is now a thriving, dynamic church over in the Mayport community and has had numbers of people saved and literally has a congregation nearing 50 uh, as we speak even right now. In fact, in 2024, the church has taken its first step toward autonomy, meaning... We're at a place right now with Mayport where basically the amount of money that they are bringing in and the financial support that comes in for its pastor is enough for that church to operate on its own. Isn't that amazing? What a blessing. I mean, to think that that church would have been turned into condos this year. And right now, military families and local people are being saved regularly. Last week, a, 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 a military a, a man's wife, a military spouse, was saved. She was baptized, had never heard the gospel clearly, and came to faith in Christ. I mean, families are being rescued. People are being helped. And I'm so proud of Pastor Chan and the work that he's doing there. And folks, listen, River City Baptist Church invested heavily into Mayport. And look what God did. I thank God for that. God's been good. God's been faithful. We were able to see a Spanish church started. We were able to see a Spanish church uh, merge together with another congregation right here in this area to form a brand new church in 2024. And every amount of, of money and time that we invested has been used for the kingdom and God has blessed it. And I'm so thankful for that. But let me, let me move on to the second part of this message. I want, to, I want to say this. We must all share our experience. So it's one thing to experience God. It's another thing to share your experience. And that's really what happens in our text, particularly in verse 4. Look at verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. What you see here, both in this immediate verse that I just read and down later in the passage where, 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 where God talks about speaking and declaring and uttering, verse 6, men shall speak of your mighty and your awesome acts and will declare your greatness. Watch this. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and sing of your righteousness, verse 10. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, watch this, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. And what do you learn from this psalm? We first of all learn that we experience God and we therefore praise God. But then we learn this truth. We learn this, that we are to share what we have learned and experienced with another generation. Now, what does that tell me? It tells me at least two things that are very, very important. Number one, God intends for his word and his work to endure through generations. Now, folks, nobody wants this church or any church for that matter to be a one-generational church. People want their church and the work of the gospel they're involved with to live in perpetuity one generation to the next. Psalm 71 verse 18, so even to my old age and gray hairs, oh God, do not forsake me, listen, until I proclaim your might to another generation. Psalm 48 verse 13, that you may tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever. He will guide us forever. This is why God was so uh, pleased with Abraham. Listen to what, he, what God says about Abraham in Genesis 18 and verse 19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. I know my servant. He will command 
his children. And one of the greatest truths about Abraham that God gave credit to Abraham about was that Abraham was going to teach his own children and those that would follow the ways of God. You know, folks, our call is to use the experience and the training and the word that we have to teach the next generation. And that falls on all of us. In fact, look carefully again at verse number 10. I want you, I want you to see this. It says this, all your works shall praise you, O Lord. And look at this statement. And your saints shall bless you. You said, who is a saint? Answer every single person that knows the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Harry Ironside was on a train one time with a, uh, happened to be set, seated near a nun. Harry Ironside was the great Bible teacher and preacher of the last century and he sat down beside her and she introduced herself as sister so-and-so and, and uh, after she introduced herself, he looked back at her and said, I'm Saint Harry. And she looked at him like, whoa, what on earth? And she, she said, well, I, well, excuse me, you know, she was obviously uh, flustered and, and couldn't could get herself and, and he looked at her and he said, I am a saint because of Jesus Christ and he shared the gospel with this nun because being a saint has nothing to do with how good you are. Being a saint has everything to do with how good God is in saving us. I mean, in Philippians chapter 1, the Bible says to all the saints in Christ Jesus. We are not saints because we are good. We are saints because Christ declared us righteous through the gospel. And folks, listen. So, so when this verse says all the saints are supposed to proclaim the works of God, who is he talking about? And the answer is if you know Jesus as your Savior, he's talking to you. So how do we share our stories and the word of God with the next generation. Let me, let, me give you, let me give you three thoughts here real quick. Number one, we recommend or commend the works of God to the next generation. It says here, one generation shall praise your works to another. Some translations say, uh, use uh, the word praise here, commend, recommend. It's the same idea. We recommend, we commend, we congratulate, we say, this is what God has done. I'm recommending him to you. Number two, we, we praise God. Listen, this is so important. We praise God out of the overflow of what he's done in our life. Look at verse 7. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness. The word utter there in verse 7 literally means to pour forth like a, like a spring. I was years ago running over in, up in Wisconsin, and there was a, about two miles from the camp I was preaching at that week, they had a natural artesian well that was discovered in the late 1800s, somebody, I don't, know what they were, I don't know what they were doing out there when they discovered it, but anyways, they discovered it, and it started shooting ice-cold, fresh artesian water right out of the ground, and they, they ended up building a little, like, drinking fountain, and it has been bubbling and running over since 1897, and they tell you, if you go out there and you're walking or taking a jog out there, you got to run to the well, and I remember doing that. I remember uh, every day that I was there preaching, I'd, I'd run out to the well and take a water bottle with me and let that, that, that water fill up, that, that brook, that brook, or that, that well, excuse me, doesn't need any stimulation. It doesn't have to come into church and hear its favorite song. It doesn't have to have other people amp it up. 
Man, guys, listen, we are so worship-saturated. I'm sorry, I just excuse me just for a second. I, and it's good, it's a good thing. I love Christian radio. I love Spotify. I listen to it endlessly, okay? But one of the things, if you're not careful, by listening to Spotify endlessly or listening to Caleb endlessly or whatever thing you listen to is that praise becomes ordinary, routine, and then you walk in the church and you're tempted to yawn because, oh, they didn't, they didn't sing my favorite jam. I don't, I don't know that song. I'm not gonna, I don't like that. Listen, are you kidding me? I should not have to pump you up to praise you. I should not have to prime you in any way. There, come on. There ought to be something bubbling up out of your soul that God has done for you. And finally, there should be this extravagant worship of God, verses 10 and 11. They will speak of your glory. They're going to speak and talk and praise and worship. My kids ought to see me in church worshiping, singing. It's okay if your kids see you reading your Bible. It's a good thing to get home after church and not talk about the preacher, but talk about the message. Talk about what God did. Share answers to prayer. Share his goodness. I'll never forget when God answered that prayer about that lawsuit situation. But I remember sitting at that kitchen table with my wife, and we were, we were slobbering all over each other. I mean, we were, we were crying. We couldn't pour ourselves together. And the kids, one by one, walking by. What's wrong? What? I mean, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. God answered our prayer. I want my kids to grow up and see it and believe that it's real because it's real with mom and dad. And by the way, if it's not real with mom and dad, it will not be real with the kids. There are some of you, honestly, you're trying to peddle garage sale Christianity. How many of your teenagers get amped up about going to a garage sale to buy clothes? None of them. Kids aren't into buying what nobody else wants. And if you have no vibrant, fervent faith, you think your kids want it? We sit there and go, why don't you pay attention to church? What's wrong with you? Well, why don't you? Uh-huh. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> why don't you, why don't, why don't you want to go, why don't you want to come, why don't you want to go to church? My question is, why do you miss every other Sunday? And then we look at our kids and expect that our kids want God, want church, want worship, want preaching, want, want Jesus, want to follow, but they haven't seen any overwhelming worship, love for, sacrifice, giving. Hey, look, don't, don't, my kids aren't going to learn how to give if I don't give. My, my kids are not going to learn how to serve if I don't serve. And why don't I take them with me? Why don't, I, why don't I sit down with my kids when I give and say, hey, this is what we do. Because we love the Lord. Not because we have to, because we love the Lord. When you get, why don't we always have to go? Why aren't we always at church? Well, keep being faithful. Keep serving. Keep, and then tell them, we are here because we love Jesus. We are here because we want to serve Jesus. We are here because we are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? Maybe we'll be able to pass it 
to the next generation. I will tell you this, at River City, we're going to do as much as we can do to help you pass the faith to your children and to pass the faith into this community in the next calendar year. So let me share with you some of the things that we're going to do this coming year through the ministries of our church, through the offerings that we receive, through the, the plan. I'm super excited about two parts to this. One is outreach. I want to share with you the ways in which we are going to provide some serious outreach to our community. We're going we're gonna to this year focus on three major events, okay? I know some churches have something big going on every week or every month. And guys, i got to tell you, sometimes you can spread yourself too thin and not really dial in and focus on certain things. So I'm going to tell you right now three major opportunities that we're going to have in the calendar year to really focus on reaching our community. Ready? Number one, we're going to have the biggest Easter weekend that we've ever had in the history of our church. It's going to be a full weekend. For the first time in our history, we're going to have a Good Friday service on March the 29th at 6.30 p.m. We're going to focus on the cross and what Jesus Christ did for us. On Saturday, March the 30th, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt for the children right here on our property. Last year, we had about 600 kids come. It's a tremendous opportunity to share the gospel. And then we're going to have family worship, all kids, all families, everybody packed in here uh, on Easter Sunday, March 31st at 10 o'clock. For a fantastic Easter weekend. I know churches, it's the only event they do and they spend the rest of the year following up and caring for the people that God brought them. It is going to be a major emphasis. We're going to mail, we're going to invite friends and family and saturate this community as best we can to get people to hear that Jesus is alive. Number two, we're going to bring back trunk or treat. Now guys, listen, I, how many of you were here for trunk or treat? How many of you are here? Oh my word. Okay. Okay. Just one word, crazy. Okay. We, we had over 4,000 people come through Trunk or Treat. 4,000. I cannot believe somebody didn't get ran over by a car, okay? I, I still don't understand how it all worked, but I am telling you this. We're going to change it up next year. We're going to do a trail of treats next year. It's going to wind through our church property so there's more parking and less people backing out and hitting crowds. We're gonna, it's going to be an awesome experience. Let me tell you. 4,000 people from our community walked through our church doors, and we have got to take advantage of that. We have got to put emphasis on there. It's a huge event. It's on Halloween night. Many churches do not do theirs on Halloween night. We do ours intentionally on Halloween night. You want to know why? Everybody's already out. And how many of you know people are looking for a safe place to go trick-or-treating instead of like the dark street down in the rough neighborhood, right? It is a golden opportunity to share the gospel, to give out tracts. I don't know how many gospel tracts we gave out, how many connections that we made. I know one entire family was saved uh, through Trunk or Treat this year. I'm so thankful for that. And then, I love this, that we're going to see it piloted next week, and I'm going to share that with you now. But next year, Christmas at River City is going to really amp up what we're doing this year, Okay. What we're going to do this year at River City is our Christmas at River City, which is kind of a cookout event and usually has like a gingerbread house building contest and all this sort of fun things. That's great. But this year, we're adding an element to it that's going to be game changing. And that is that we are going to be blessing several families, single mom homes in our community uh, with a full Christmas experience for their children. Right now, listen to this. This year... We have 12 families and 25 children this year. So when we come next weekend to River City Christmas at your table, all those gifts that have been purchased and donated to the church, we're going to wrap them. We're going to pray over them. Next weekend on December the 17th, we're going to deliver like Santa Claus, okay, to homes. 
and we're going to be able to sit down with moms and teenagers and children and tell them about the gift that is far greater than the ones that we're providing for them. Folks, it is a chance to impact uh, 30, 40 lives for the gospel. Next year, I'd like to double or triple the amount of single mothers. Did you know that in Arlington, this community where our church sits, 60% of the homes in this community are single mother homes. Six zero. 60%. Folks, if we are not reaching single mothers, we are not doing our job. And so we're going to give the gospel next year through these three events. Bradley, where's Bradley? Bradley, go ahead and stand up as well. I'm super excited. Bradley, even this year, had came and volunteered and said, you know, Pastor, uh, I've, I've been involved in sports evangelism. Uh, he's done missions trips to sports evangelism. Uh, yesterday, uh, he opened back up the gym outreach to our community. And I'm super excited to share with you that Bradley's going to lead out uh, a full outreach again on the weekend to basketball, the basketball community in our, in our, um, in our area. And so, Bradley, thank you for doing that. We're going to start that up in January. Looking forward to that. If any of you would like to be involved in that in any way, just see Bradley. You don't have to play. I mean, most of us, it would be really detrimental to our lives if we tried to play basketball right now. But, but for the rest of you, maybe that'd be something that you'd enjoy doing. Maybe you'd like to just come and meet and greet and hang out with the kids. It's really a great opportunity. Let me share with you some of the things we're going to do as a church, though, okay? And then I'll be done. I'm super excited to let you know that we are reopening our River City Kids Ministry starting on January 10th. Okay, so up to this point, we've tried some different things, but this year we said, you know what, we're going to try to really facilitate our small group ministry by opening up children's ministry on Wednesday night. So it's going to start on January the 10th, and on Wednesday nights right here on our property, you can come between 6 and 8, you can drop your kids off at 6 o'clock, it'll give you a great opportunity to go to a small group if you'd like to, and it's going to be right here on the campus, so kids' ministry is going to start back up in January. Secondly, we're going to have a brand new discipleship Bible study for married couples called Castles. Now, this is what we're going to do, okay? It's a six-week Bible study, and we're going to repeat it four times during 2024. My wife and I are going to be there. Kendall and Sarah, our family pastor and pastor's wife, are going to be there. And basically, it's six weeks where you're in a small setting limited to five couples per session, are going to have a six-week discipleship-based curriculum on how to be married, how to stay married, how to raise your children. It is absolutely going to be fantastic. When I get done preaching today, all of these things will be open on the Church Center app, and you can sign up for those first come, first serve, five couples at a time, all throughout the next year, and we look forward to having you in this opportunity. Again, for those of you with kids, you can come, bring your kids to the kids' class, your teens to the youth group, and then you can come to the couple's Bible study. Of course, once again, we're going to host the Church Advance Conference. Uh, this will be our last time hosting this conference, not because it's not good, it's absolutely fantastic, but because there's another conference in town that we're going to, we're going to focus on uh, with my friend H.B. Charles Jr. Uh, next year. But we're going to do this as a time for us to love on, care for pastors from all over the country, and I hope on February 7th through 9th you will sign up to be there. Uh, we're going to do something new this year called the Men's Stakeout, Friday, January 19th. Uh, this is for all men, all boys, all ages, and we're going to come in, we're going to have some activities for guys, we're going to have a free or a steak dinner uh, for all the men that come with their children, you can bring friends, we have a special speaker, and it's going to be an emphasis on our men of our church and their sons. 
Uh, next, the Renew Ladies Retreat. How many of you went last year to renew the Renew Ladies Retreat? There were several of you that went. Uh, it's an opportunity for our church. Uh, the first, listen, the first 20 ladies that sign up for this event get to go for free. So if you sign up after church today, if you're the first 20, it's free. After that, it's $25 a lady on April 19th and 20th. It was an awesome event last year. It's going to be a great event next year. And then uh, Awaken Weekend, which is our church revival meeting. That's going to be on uh, uh, in, in August 9th, 10th, and 11th, that Friday, Saturday, Sunday format. Now, I moved it earlier in the year. I... I know that this year there were some difficulties with schools and schedules, and I don't ever want to be a hindrance or a, or a challenge for kids or teenagers or their families to be able to come. And so we moved this to before school starts right there at the beginning of school so that we can really get a shot in the arm before school starts. We have Pastor Rusty Smith again and Pastor Mike Stone uh, from Blackshear, Georgia, will be with us that weekend. And then this is super exciting, and that is the Couples Conference this year. It's going to be on September 13th and 14th. It's a Friday night and Saturday, okay? It's going to be here in town at the Hidden Hills Country Club. Now, we did something different this year so that more people could come. Sometimes it's hard for people to spend that amount of money to go. Sometimes it's hard to get babysitters for a weekend and all those sort of things. So this year, it's Friday night, Saturday morning. The church is offsetting 50% of the cost for you and your wife to be able to come, okay? $49 for the evening and the morning. It includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner uh, between the two days. And if you want an, uh, the opportunity to go to a hotel, to get away for the night, that would be something we're making uh, available to you. But this just gives you a chance to go, be a part of it. And if you need to be home that night, we certainly understand that. But we want more people to be able to come to the couples conference this year. It's going to be a great year. When we look at the budget here in just a moment and we see how uh, God's going to use these resources to fund this operation and, uh, and to execute these events, I cannot wait to get involved in 2024. How many of you are looking forward to what God's going to do? It's going to be great. I hope you will. Now, God's blessed us in, a, in, a, in an unbelievable way. And our response to that is praise, it's worship, but it's also giving. No, no doubt, no doubt. And, and so I'm, I'm concluding our sermon portion today with our Christmas offering. Let me, let me explain it to you real quick once again, okay? So right now, if you're doing an online gift, that's great. Get your church center app out, click on give, click on Christmas offering AC, put your amount in, hit submit. It'll go right in. We'll be able to calculate it right after uh, the service when we count this offering. If you do not have an offering but you want to make a commitment, this is your card right here. This means th What this means is this. Outside of today, I'm going to give whatever amount is here through the month of December. From now to December 31st, I'm making a commitment to give X amount of dollars, whatever that is, to the Christmas offering. And of course, we're also just taking cash. Now, uh, I brought mine in cash because uh, I just don't have checks, okay? So, uh, but oh, let me say this. If you're giving, please give, give in an envelope with your name on it. Not, we, don't, we don't need to know your name, but you also do get receipts for these things that can be a benefit to you. It's completely tax deductible on your, your tax um, re, uh, uh, preparation each year. Now, let me explain what we're doing. And I'm super excited to tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you. We started praying for $80,000 for uh, this, this Christmas offering. 
our, our initial estimate for just one-fourth of what we were going to do was $82,000. And, and it was with a company, and we're, we're super thankful that God opened up a door for us to do this project another way. Through, through people's skills and through people's generosity, uh, we were able to get the AC units at cost and to uh, get them installed at an incredibly reduced labor. We've already fixed the lobby AC, which you can probably already tell. The auditorium ACs have been completely serviced, and I've been told by our technicians that they are good for an additional five to ten years right now, so that's a blessing, amen? Uh, this is going to completely replace our gymnasium air conditions, which is desperately needed, and I'll share more with you about the gym later. And then it's also replacing the one in the office area that went out as well. This is a major undertaking, okay? But, at, uh, at, but because of the donated labor and time, we've been able to bring this project down to $60,000. It's amazing. And I want to I thank Donald back here. I, I, many of you don't know Donald yet, but I want to thank Donald. Just, let me give you one example. Donald, from his own company, brought their crane in to relocate one of the air conditioners to the roof and to place the, the, the big units at the gym. And guys, I'm telling you, that was a thousands of dollars. Yeah. Donald, we thank, thank, thank Donald for that. We do, seriously, thank you for that. It's things like that, guys, things like that make this work. Amen. Things like that make this work. And, and God is faithful. And I'm, I'm confident God's going to provide everything that we need. Uh, guys, listen, I don't, we don't do this. And if you're a guest again, sorry, please listen. We don't do this. This is the first time, guys. This is the first time, Greg, maybe in four years. I think this is the first time in four years we've done any kind of extra offering. But let me explain something to you. We put a brand new air conditioned unit at the Mayport campus and paid cash for it. We already did that this year. And, 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 and some of these things just happened all at the same time. And yes, could we write a check right now for... $80,000? Actually, yes, we could. But then we would not be able to turn on the lights next month. So, I, you know, the point is, when so many things hit you at one time, sometimes you just got to address it. And guys, I will tell you this, before coming to this church, every church I was involved with, my wife could tell you, took a major offering every year for buildings. Every year. I gave thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year to buildings. And I do not ask that of people. That is not we have a tremendously well-run financial office. God has blessed our finances in crazy ways this year. We're not a beggar church. That's not what this is about. Um, this is an opportunity for us to say, thank you, Jesus. We love our church. Let's give to the needs of our church. So I'm going to pray. Bree, are you going to play for me? Uh, not that I'm going to sing or anything, but <laughs> I, I'm going to have Bree uh, play for just for a minute. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for this offering. As Bree plays in just a moment after I pray, I mean, she can, you can play now. Yeah, she's doing that. When I say amen, I want you to bring your offering or your commitment or both. I want you to drop it in the bucket. That's what the bucket's for, okay? So as soon as everybody has dropped their offering in their bucket or given it online, our leaders, our deacons are going to take the buckets and they're going to go count them real quick while we sing. And before we leave today, we'll know what we have given. Okay? Okay? Let's all stand. God, 
we pray your blessing on this offering. God, I pray just like you did there on the mountain by the Sea of Galilee that you will take what is dropped in these buckets and you will multiply it in some amazing way to provide everything that is needed. We love you. We trust you. This offering is our way of saying thank you for how faithful and how good you have been to us. And we extol and bless your wonderful name for everything that you've done through our church. We look next year that you will use our church in such a great way for the gospel, for this community, for souls. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you come and give your offerings today.